The scripture reading is Genesis 15, 1 through 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, You shall, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each of three years old, um, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace buried at a good old age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There we go. Alright, let me get some props here. Uh, a couple props. So this is the water of our lives. It's clear and clean and pure. Uh, but what I want us to do is kind of a response time, and uh, and ask you what are things that you're that make you anxious? What are things that make you worried? And for each thing you say, I will put the salt into the water. School. School. Okay. Maybe get at your water. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
show us visually that um, anxiety and stress is an everyday part of our lives, and we could probably list a hundred more things. Um, and those anxieties and worries cloud, cloud our lives, right? It's, for some of us, it creates uh, an anxiety that's paralyzing. It keeps us from acting. Um, for me, for instance, it invades my thought life and my emotional life, and it makes it hard for me to function if I'm very worried or anxious. And scripture has a lot to say about uh, anxiety and worry. Um, you know, Jesus said, look at the birds of the field and the lilies, right? They don't, they don't have to worry about anything. God provides for them. So would he not take care of you, people he loves, he loves um, if you turn to him? So um, Jesus talks about, do not worry. Do my, you know, don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. And scripture, in fact, is uh, if you do a Google search on do not be afraid, that phrase, there's like hundreds of verses that say do not be afraid. And we'll, we'll go over some of them uh, more. But I wanted to do a little, uh, next slide, I wanted to do a little bit of background. From last week, we were in the call of Abram, which is Genesis 12. And in Genesis 12, uh, Abram is called and... Um, I want us to recall the call. That's my little pun for the day. Recall the call. Uh, starting in verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And we talked about last week how this was a pretty radical call, right? The things that God was asking Abram to do uh, were big. It was leaving his household to a land um, that he'll be shown. And there were no guarantees, right? And it meant detaching himself and uprooting himself from the land of, uh, that he knew and from the people that he knew and going into the unknown, the mystery. And if you kind of look at the call, it's, a, it's almost like a palindrome, right? It's, it's a chiasm because it's leave your land and your people and I will make you a great people in the land that I will show you. So basically, let go of this, right? Let go of your land, let go of your people and let me show you and take you to a new land, to a new people that I give you. And again, uh, that kind of flows with what we've been talking about uh, with Babel and all throughout Genesis. God will make a name for his people. God will bring life for his people, not people grabbing life or making a name for themselves. When we get to um, chapter 15, um, if you look at verse 1, it says, And after this, the Lord's word comes in a vision. Um, so what is the after, when it says after this, what were the events between chapter 12 and chapter 15? When Abram is called, and then the after this in chapter 15. And basically what we see is Abram wandering, like leaving his household, following, being righteous and, and uh, acting in faith, and going with God into the, the land that he was going to be shown. 
And you see his interaction with Pharaoh in Egypt. God rescues him from the hand of Pharaoh um, and Egypt. And then after this, we see him, his interaction with Lot. Um, Lot, his family member, they're both um, gaining wealth, gaining flocks. And Abram says, Lot, let's not have conflict. You go that way, and I'll go this way in this land. And then you see this episode of God saying to Abram, um, this is uh, chapter 13, chapter 14. Um, God saying to Abram, hey, look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. As far as you can see from the north, south, east, and west, this is your land. As far as you can see. Um, and Abram's like, that's cool. I can see pretty far, right? And uh, can I use a telescope or binoculars? Um, but... Um, after this, in chapter 14, you get this story playing out of Game of Thrones, essentially, on this land. This land isn't free and clear. There are kings who are allying with each other. There are the four kings, and then there's other kings allying, and they're fighting over this land. This land has been occupied uh, by a certain king, and um, the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah are allying themselves uh, in order to defeat this king and chase them out of the land. So there's drama. Abram's walking into drama. And in fact, a uh, king invades the city where Lot is in and sacks the city and takes Lot, on, uh, takes Lot captive. So Abraham hears of this, his family member being taken captive, and gathers some men and splits them up to go, ch- go hunt um, these kings and ends up defeating them, recovering, re- rescuing Lot. And that is the context to when we go to chapter 15, it says, after this. So you have this promise, this amazing promise in chapter 12, this amazing call. Um, but things are messy, right? The promise isn't happening right away. And there's a lot of conflict and there's a lot of drama. Um, and so after this, there's a vision, right? God comes to Abram in a vision. And we see here the compassion of God's heart, right? That God knows the inner workings of people. God knows the inner workings of you. Because without a word, God comes in a vision and says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. And I'm sure God is anticipating that Abram is stressed out, right? And feeling anxious and feeling a little bit afraid because there's this promise, but things aren't very secure. And actually there's been, you know, some hard times. So Abram in his heart is feeling like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, is this promise for real? Is this for real? And God, knowing that, knowing those thoughts in Abram, comes in a vision and says, do not be afraid. And then in verse 2, we get, but Abram, right? But Abram. And this, this is where things change up. In chapter 12, it's just kind of a one-way conversation, right? God says, go, 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 go. I was to the place that I sent you, leave. And Abram is faithful and leaves. But here, Abram starts to talk back, right? He's like, blah, 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 God, right? 
Yeah, this is getting old, God, because you're saying you're my shield and my protector. Don't be afraid, but, but, and we all know the buts in our lives, right? I, yes, I want to be faithful. Yes, you are going to bless me. Yes, you said I should go on this path. I'm saying yes to Jesus, right? I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. But there's times in our lives when we hit those bumps or we don't see clearly ahead of us and we say, but God... This is not what I signed up for. I don't see how this plan is for my life is going to play out. And from where I'm standing, it's not happening. So this is where Abram gives the what question, right? What? What can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Eliezer's like, what? What's wrong with me, right? Um, but we learn later that Eliezer is one of Abram's servants' child. Um, so basically he says, I have no heir of, of my blood. And you promised to make a great nation of me. I'm 70 plus years old and I'm childless. What can you give me now? Right? And it's, Abram is being very practical. Very like, this is where the rubber meets the road, God. Right? In order to be a great nation, make me into a great nation, I have to have children, right? I'm 75 and I'm childless. What are you going to do for me, right? What have you done for me lately, God? Verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir. Again, ripping on Eliezer of Damascus. <laughs> but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look up at the sky right? and all the stars. Can you count the stars? So shall your offspring be. As many as the stars in the sky, so shall your offspring be. And then we have kind of a key verse. Abram believed the Lord and he credited him to him as righteousness. And you see this kind of in the New Testament, New Testament writers arguing like, you know, God, Abraham's faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Um, but it's interesting that this statement about Abram's faith comes after Abram doubts, right? Comes after this dialogue and interaction with God. And this is a first lesson in kind of relationship and faith, right? That um, following God isn't just about being a robot that's like, yes, no, yes, I will go, I will go, I will go. Because what about our heart, right? What about like being human? And when we, when we consider our own hearts and being human, yes, we have doubts. Yes, we worry in our lives. Yes, we tend to balk when the odds are against us, right? And here, there's a dialogue, there's an interchange between uh, God and Abram, right? And, and God listens, takes on those questions that Abram has and um, answers them, right? He gives him an encouragement. He gives him another promise. Um, and then uh, Abraham had faith and this faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. This is all to say you don't have to be perfect Right? In all of your emotions 
and all of your conversations and all of your prayer times with God don't have to be perfectly obedient, obsequious to God's will at all times, right? You can wrestle with God, right? You can talk to God. Um, And then God makes another proclamation. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give this land to take possession of it. Again, here's another but. This is the second but. But, Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that, you'll, that I will gain possession of it? So you have here those two aspects of the initial call, right? Posterity, like I will make you a great nation, and land. I will, I will give this land to you, right? And those were two of Abram's questions. Can you fill that out more, right? What are you going to give me? Are you going to give me kids, right? An inheritance? And then now the, other, the next question is how? How are you going to allow me to take possession of this land? Because there's a lot of powers and superpowers in this land that are vying for control. And I am just a small man. How are you going to allow me to take possession of this land? So the two questions, what and how? What are you going to do and how are you going to do it? And I think those two kind of summarize our questions, right, in life. Or when anyone stresses out, uh, yesterday we were uh, playing ultimate, and I'm the coach of this ultimate team, and we got our first lo- uh, loss to a team in our own pool. And it's easy when you're winning, right? Your team is happy, you got chemistry. When you're losing, I just was noticing how tense people got. And we started to unravel, and we started to yell at each other. And people from the sidelines were like, why did you throw that? Why don't you cut? Hey, God, I'm stronger. And you could just feel the stress rising. And people were snapping at each other. And that team that used to have all that chemistry, all of a sudden is breaking down, right? And we're infighting and stuff like that. When people get stressed out, when people don't know how things are going or things aren't looking like they're going well, right? The worst parts of us come out. Is that true or not? The worst parts of us come out. And when we are anxious and stressed out, we get on tilt. Right? That's the poker phrase. We get on tilt and we don't respond uh, graciously or we don't move out in faith or we don't, you know, we're not as generous with our time or our money. We're not as generous uh, with our words to other people. We don't give charitable assumptions to other people. We don't give people the benefit of the doubt. We tend not to trust. We tend to nag more, bicker more, right? Name call more. We tend to gossip more. These are things that happen when there's tension and anxiety in a community or an organization. Um, And I see this going on in Abram's heart, right? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? And so God, uh, the Lord said, bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. And uh, Abram brought all these things to him, and he cut them in half. And there's this part where the birds, he like chased birds away so they wouldn't eat at the carcass, carcasses that were divided in half. And this, the readers of this text 
would recognize that in the ancient Near East, this was a common ritual for covenant making. When uh, two communities or two individuals made a covenant with one another, um, oftentimes they would cut the animals' sacrifices in half, and they would do like a figure eight. They would walk together face to face through um, the pathway of the cut in half animal around the animals. And this would be this was to say uh, it was more than a contract. It's not transactional. This you did this and I'll do this. It's if I don't, if I break this relationship, I will die. This is basically what you're saying. And so what's interesting is that, again, uh, Abram falls into a deep sleep. Right? It, there's, for the poet in me, the deep sleep and, like, the anxiety and fear that happens in sleep, it's, it's very, like, profound for me. Because have you ever woken up with night terrors? Right or just stressed out. Um, I used to growing up. I used to have what Koreans called kawi, um, where you wake up, you're awake, but you can't move. You're like paralyzed, and you're like trying to get up. Right, you're conscious, and you're you feel like something's gonna get you, and, but you can't move and you can't open your eyes. And I would be so afraid uh, to fall asleep until my dad said, "When that happens, just pray. Just let go and pray." And so I, I started to say, you know, started to pray uh, when I'd feel that paralysis. But anyways, you know, I learned later that oftentimes that comes from anxiety, like over-anxiety. And um, we see that when Abram falls into a deep sleep, it says, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And this is when uh, the Lord says, uh, now that I've got, now that I've, I got your commitment in this covenant, <laughs> let me tell you. Actually, uh, it's going to take 400 years for your people to actually be free and take possession of this land. They're going to be enslaved. And um, when I thought about it, this and read this, I was like, okay, I felt jerked around a little bit because it's like God is comforting Abram. I'll take care of you, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this for you. I'm gonna give you la uh, land. I'm gonna give you children. Um, but after this covenant making, um, God opens up the door and gives a bigger picture, like the bigger picture beyond Abram. Actually, you guys are gonna be struggling. It's gonna be a hard walk for 400 years. But don't worry, you're gonna die in peace. As for you, you'll die in peace. Um, and it's hard because it's bigger than Abram, right? That God reveals things step by step. And sometimes he doesn't reveal the whole, whole picture because if we saw the whole thing, we would never take the journey in the first place, right? If God just went, oh, we'd be like, I cannot wield it. I cannot carry it. The burden is too heavy for me. Right? And in this moment, with this terror falling upon Abram, God chose to reveal the bigger picture. But I think um, there's a certain amount of security and trust that happened in this interaction for Abram to be able to hold it, right? 
to hold it and take the next step the next day and to continue to walk with God. The other interesting point is that it's God making this covenant while Abram is asleep. God is the initiator, right? God is doing this whole covenant making. And God is actually the one who's walking in between the sacrifices, which means God is saying, if I don't live up to this, uh, to this covenant, to this agreement, then let me die, right? God's saying, I'm in this, right? I'm in this with you. And we see this confirmed in scripture that God over and over and over is longing to bring his people back into covenant, into relationship with him. You know, and people over and over and over walk away, go away. Um, the what, the how, all of us have um, questions for God. All of us worry, and sometimes we're paralyzed by our worries. Um, Seattle is when it gets winter and it rains, right? anxiety and depression is at all-time highs. Right? I uh, take anxiety medication, um, meds for depression and anxiety, um, and it's been really good for me. And it happens usually in the winter when it's just so gray. Um, but the reality is people around us are suffering. You know, people around us are struggling and what are what is our witness right what are we witnessing uh, to the world around us that we have a god that we can trust we have a god who is strong and powerful we have a god um, who is a god of hope and we have a god who's a god of promise that even in the midst of our circumstances even in the midst of hard times or feeling low we can call out to god and god says i am here I am faithful. I, I love you. I will be with you. Are you with me, church? Is this, hard, is this a hard word? I don't know. Uh, so actually, going back to covenant making, God uh, cuts a covenant with Abram. Um, and this is a quote from a commentator. In the Old Testament, the English phrase, make a covenant, is most often a translation of the Hebrew, karat berit which literally means cut a covenant. So the, the image of cutting the animal sacrifices in half and walking through it together. Um, so in the covenant ceremony between the Lord and Abraham, God himself was making, was the smoking oven and the flaming torch that passed between the pieces. In essence, God was saying to Abraham, let what has been done to this animal be done to me if I do not fulfill my promise to you. So do not fear. That's the message for us today. Do not fear. God cares for us. God cares for the world. God is initiating with us. Um, and I just wanted to, this next slide, uh, um, here are some of the do not fear passages just in Genesis, just in um, this book. Uh, it starts in Genesis 15.1. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. Genesis 
What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies here. I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Genesis 26:24. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given your treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. Genesis 43:23. I am the God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. That's just in Genesis. Right? But you see this, this refrain of do not be afraid. Uh, throughout the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and in the New Testament with Jesus Jesus speaking these words and um, the word to us again is do not be afraid God sees the things that you worry about God sees that you're wrestling on the journey God sees the suffering in the world and when we're overwhelmed he says he continues to say do not be afraid do not be afraid